Friday, looking at the last part of Colossians today. We've been digging through this book for quite some time now. Uh, I'm not coming to you from New York City today. I'm coming to you from Great Falls, Montana, uh, from the home office of my pastor, a man named Ron Sunwall, a hero to me, and uh, I am staying at his house while I'm up out here updating numerous churches in the Montana and North Dakota area about the work that we're doing in New York City. So uh, it's good to be with you here this morning. It's a little earlier for me. It's just past seven here, but uh, we are going to do this uh, together. So uh, today we're going to talk about, as Paul sort of closes out his letter, uh, we're going to talk about engaging uh, non-Christians or um, unbelievers in the gospel, those who don't trust in Jesus as Savior, uh, and we're going to talk about how we should seek to actually engage those around us who do not believe. Um, as Paul closes out his letter to the Colossian church, he gives these instructions in verses 5 and 6. He says, quote, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. End of reading. Now, let's pick this passage apart just a, a little bit uh, to find out or to get some insights into how it is Paul would have us deal with our non-Christian friends. Uh, and first of all, he points out that indeed, very obvious fact, we will indeed, as Christians, walk amongst people outside of the faith all the time. Now, again, I know this is very obvious, but it needs to at least be acknowledged. Why? Uh, because far too often throughout church history, there has been a tendency amongst Christians to want to disengage, to want to completely separate from the culture around them. And so the culture, because it's full of things that Christians can't endorse or makes Christians uncomfortable, um, have tended to want to make their own Christianized versions of everything. Christian music and Christian movies and Christian bookstores and Christian clothing and Christian furniture and Christian gum. Christian gum. This is bordering on silliness. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure Christian gum tastes just fine. Um, and frankly, I'm glad that Christians have publishing houses specifically devoted to producing Christian content, as long as it is that. Sadly, sometimes, many times, it's not. Um, and I have no inherent problem with Christian music or movies. Nothing. But there does come a point in which we uh, begin to create our own little bubble. And we're isolating ourselves from the world around us. And in contrast, our passage acknowledges that we will walk amongst those who are outside, who do not believe in Jesus. And Jesus said that we would be in the world, but not of the world. In, but not of. That's the trick. So that said, um, acknowledging that we will walk amongst people in the world that are not Christians, we do need to be thoughtful about what we choose to engage and what we don't. And so Paul says time is valuable. Make good use of the time. This one is tricky. Um, walk in wisdom toward outsiders as a good way of using your time, he says, making the best use of the time. Now, there's a few ways this might be applied, uh, it seems to me. 
Uh, there's a reality that we're called to always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks us for the reason, uh, for the hope that it was within us. That's in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. The point being there that we should be looking for ways to engage our unbelieving friends and our neighbors and relatives with the truth of the gospel when we can. But that last part, uh, when we can, is key. If you're at work, it is not appropriate to steal time from your company in order to preach the gospel to your coworker. It's not appropriate to stop the line in order to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got something more important. No, you weren't hired to do that. You were called at that moment to do a good job. Ask that person out for a cup of coffee later if need be, but don't be that annoying Christian that doesn't get the job done because you're, quote, serving the Lord. Be thoughtful about when you choose to engage and when you don't. Also, be aware that some unbelievers may simply just want to argue uh, for the sake of arguing. Uh, I can't tell you exactly when the appropriate time to stop arguing is in a discussion with somebody, but I can tell you that sometimes that time does exist. Now, it doesn't mean never engaging that person again. I don't agree with that idea. But there are some times where somebody really is just trying to argue, and so we do need to be discerning about when it's time to hang up the hat and go home and when it's time to keep debating. So all that being said, this is just a couple of practical ways that we sort of apply this idea of using our time wisely. A uh, third thing Paul says is uh, the way we talk uh, amongst unbelievers is almost as important as what we talk about. I'll say that again. The way we talk is almost as important as what we talk about. Uh, so often I have found what people are rejecting is not necessarily the message itself, but the messenger. I have personally seen Christians numerous times seek to witness to annoyed unbelievers and thought to myself, if I was this person, I would totally be annoyed too. Totally. I felt myself more on the side of the non-Christian when I've seen this going on many times than of the Christian. An argumentative style or a condescending way of speaking to outsiders is a great way to have no one take you seriously at all. At best, they'll ridicule you, but at worst, they'll simply ignore you. And so Paul says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. To have something seasoned with salt is to make it taste better. It is to bring preservation to something that could rot. Your way of speaking to outsiders is to be attractive. Now, is it possible that people will still mock you and ridicule you and ignore you? Absolutely. They did it to Jesus. And Jesus was the creator of words, the creator of communication. Yes, that can happen. Just don't let it happen as much as it's in your wheelhouse because you're being a jerk. That's the idea. Be gracious and let your speech be seasoned with salt, Paul says. And this leads to the last point, and that is that the way we talk must be contextual. Now, what do I mean by that? Paul says, quote, we ought to know how we answer each, how we ought to answer each person. We ought to know how to do that. This suggests a couple of very important things about conversing with those outside the faith. 
Again, uh, the way we answer a question may not always be the same depending on who we're speaking to. Now, please hear me. Uh, I am not saying that the truth ever bends or changes based on the person we're speaking to. No, that's not true. That doesn't happen. What I am saying is that the tone, the words, the shape with which we answer should to some extent be guided by the person we're speaking to. That we need to take that into account in the way that we address the issues that come up in a conversation. We, know, we ought to know how to answer each person. Paul makes distinctions between persons. And the way that we tend to find that out is by asking questions and by, by really digging into what a person is saying. And so when a person says, can I do such and such, a really wise response is before you give an answer to say, why are you asking? Do a little investigation to try and find out what's really behind the issue that this person is talking about. I think the model here for us is we think about quote-unquote contextualizing, just understanding the people we're speaking to, uh, is found in the Apostle Paul. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23, he writes this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law. That I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. Why? That I might win those outside of the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. So this suggests at least seeking to know a little bit about our neighbor's point of view. Take some time to really listen to the outsider before moving them through your message. Let them know you're actually engaging them as a fellow human being before you start treating them as a preaching project. I can share a little bit of this from my own experience being a church planner in New York for the first year and a half of my ministry there. Basically, I spent every day, uh, five days a week anyway, going out to cafes and various meeting spots and introducing myself to strangers. Sometimes I totally creep them out. That just is going to happen when you introduce yourself to strangers. But many times I would be able to have conversations with people. And from those conversations, I was able to really listen to where people were coming from. And what I can tell you is that when people know they're being listened to, people are much more open to hearing what you have to say. If people know that you genuinely care about them, even if they don't agree with you, they might just be open to hearing the gospel from you because they know it comes from a place of genuine care and love. So I could go on and on about this. This kind of su this subject is a big passion of mine, but let's close it up for there for, for now.